0: Welcome to another episode of Keep the Dream Flowing. I'm Jack Lokenski, here with Aaron Shear, Scott Parker and Johnny Hudson are MIA. And we're back with Steve Katz of Blood, Sweat, and Tears. Formerly. Formerly of Blood, Sweat, and Tears. That's very important.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. Um, It's still an ongoing entity. Although I'm not sure who's in it, but... uh, I you keep running that? into I keep running into alumnus. I saw um, Tom's Bone Malone and uh, Blue Lou Marini about a month ago.
2: Yeah, that's early alumni. You know, you, you could if you just walk down the street anywhere, you could you'll run into. Most people in America have been in blood, sweat, and tears. Yeah,
0: something <laughs> like that. There, there's been you know, it's it, it's. Um, Corollary to Andy Warhol's theory. Everybody would be in blood, sweat, and tears for 15 minutes.
2: <laughs> yeah. Well. That's it.
0: But speaking of blood, sweat, and tears, I saw you recently at a showing of what the hell happened to blood, sweat, and tears and wanted to have you back on Keep the Dream Flowing to talk about the film because we've had John Feld on. And I figured it'd be great to have somebody from who was in the band at the time. And your perspective of the film, even though I know you've seen it at least five times, if not more so by now. More. More. (laughs) And you were in the band at the time. So you have a different perspective on it than most of the others.
2: Yeah, well, John got so much of it right. Um, That is, he did. He just did an incredible job. And the detective work that he did, um, even though I was part of that whole tour and that, that whole story... Uh, There were a lot of things that I didn't know about. Um, Okay. And that was a lot of fun to to see that. brought back some other memories.
0: What were some of the good memories that he brought back?
2: Oh, the good memories? The good memories. I mean, what I didn't know, I mean, as far as the memories, yeah, just, you know, that the, uh, some of the film, the footage and, uh, And uh, I I think that the uh, the thing that I was really impressed with, I was really happy with and actually very proud of was um, the fact that he somehow uh, found the people, some people that went to the concerts and what they had to say was just so heartwarming, you know, because uh, one guy like took a train for 12 hours, you know, and other people said, well, we we thought that uh, the same thing was going to happen that happened in Czechoslovakia where people would revolt. Because it was such an event for us to come there, because people it was the first time that they have seen live uh, musicians from America playing rock and jazz, and uh, it meant so much to these people. And uh, I didn't, I didn't realize how much it, it meant uh, until uh, until we got back. But uh, especially this film, you know, and uh, and John, John just did a great job putting all of that together.
0: Yeah, both Aaron and I have seen the film. Well. Mm-hmm. You know I saw the film because I saw it with you. Um, But that was my second time seeing the film. I saw it with uh, Bobby Colombi and John Scheinfeld in New York. And you know, we're just in love with it and want to promote it as much as possible to our
2: listeners. Oh, I'm glad you liked it. Well, I saw it on
3: my my laptop, uh, the laptop I'm using right now. And I found it to be a very interesting and enjoyable documentary. And, uh, the thing that I told John Scheinfeld and I'll tell you too, is that obviously I'm significantly younger than the rest of the guys. So I grew up with blood, sweat, and tears, knowing blood, sweat, and tears, primarily as an AM radio band, if you will, Mm. like, and this is not to disrespect the Carpenters, but maybe kind of putting you sort of in that same territory Mm. and, um, you know, uh, watching this documentary sort of basically disabused me of that notion and what John uh, Scheinfeld replied to me he said you know the impression that I grew up with probably was the aftermath of the fallout that you guys had from this tour.
2: Yeah well uh, you know our our reputation was pretty much destroyed (laughs) not just after the tour but uh, for a couple of other reasons also. Um, when it says, what the hell happened to Blood, Sweat and Tears, um, and, and, and it and infers that that eastern European tour was was responsible for our downfall. It wasn't actually. I mean, it was just it was part of it, but not all of it. Um, a lot of it was our third album, which uh, which was not great and uh, certainly not commercial. And Clive Davis said the, exactly the right thing when in, in the interviews in the movie where he said we had so much promise but we made a, a tragic mistake in that uh, in that we fired uh, Jimmy Garcia, who produced our second album. I mean, you don't fire a producer who produced an album that sold millions and millions of copies <laughs> around the world, but we did, and it was basically the reason is uh, because Bobby was Bobby and I were very close. He was my closest friend, and uh, he wanted to produce the next album, and I backed him up. Big mistake.
0: Anyway. Yeah, no, I I asked Bobby Columbia that at the <coughs> premiere, and he's said the third album was already done and he didn't um he disagreed with that but i I, but i agree with you i mean not that the third album was bad but it wasn't the second album and it wasn't even it was a distant third
2: yeah well yeah i mean uh i i I, i've seen an interview with bobby where he talks about uh, jimmy Garcia and how he didn't do anything on the second album which is not true jimmy Garcia did a did a great job on our second album, and then went on to produce Chicago. Right, um, and uh, so you know his. Uh, well, I don't. I don't know how Bobby feels about it. It was fifty over fifty years ago. So
0: speaking of the second album, how was Clive Davis involved in the second album? Because in light of. Santana's Supernatural and some of the other Whitney and the Whitney Houston projects he put together. It seems to have his fingerprints on it with some strong covers, good originals. I and think wondering...
2: uh, I think Clive started doing that. Uh, he was in he was involved to a point, but not not as much as uh, to the point where when he started Arista. Okay. And, uh, you know, and uh, what was the other Bell Records? He, he became head of Bell Records before Arista, and I think that came became Arista. But at that point, he got involved with uh, Barry Manilow and started taking like production credits and uh, publishing credits. He never got involved with us on that level at all. I don't think any of the artists in Columbia. But uh, you know, Clive did back us up when uh, Cooper left, and uh, okay. we did that and uh, yeah. So you know, I I thought what what Clive said during the, those interviews in the movie it was really pretty right on, actually.
0: Yeah. No, I was. We, we were all very impressed with the movie. We liked it a lot. And that's why we wanted to have on John Schoenfeld. We wanted to have you on. And at the Q&A, you were, you were uh, Steve Siegel. No, Steve Siegel was the person who played with you. The mm-hmm. interviewer, whose name I forget. Rickson. Asked you, Yeah. Asked you about some of your memories of the tour and what wasn't in the film that you recalled.
2: Yeah, there were, there were a few things that weren't, that wasn't in the film. And I think I probably did talk about them when uh, John interviewed me and I'm sure it was with the rest of the guys also. It was a right. two hour interview, so uh, a lot of things were left out. And I, I went back to my book actually yesterday just to see what I had written about the tour. And uh, and everything that, that uh that I left out, like the funny things, I put in they're they're in my book.
0: Which is what which is is Steve Katz a rock star? My my, my Blood Sweat and Rock and Roll Years.
2: Oh it's it's called Blood Sweat oh, and Rock and Roll Years and okay. then the title is is Steve Katz a Rockstar.
0: Okay, my apologies.
2: No, don't worry about it. It's <laughs> it's, it's, it's incredible that I can remember it.
0: <laughs> it's still a great book and it's available from Steve Katz's website and wherever books are sold.
3: I think the um, one thing about that tour is how um you know you guys went on tour and you know, this had happened just after the Columbia occupation and all these upheavals in 1968, 1969, and I think Kent State would have happened by the time you went on that tour. Right, and you know, you had all you know very optimistic of you know what options and what you envisioned, but when you returned from this tour, you were disabused of the notion that communism would be a right solution. Am I getting that right or no?
2: Yeah, I mean, when we went over there, um, we were brought up with, with, a, with, with certain beliefs. And of course, those beliefs were, were uh, tested during the Vietnam War, the whole civil rights thing in the, the 60s, um, and this is why the counterculture did, you know, what what they did. Um, but so we were brought up to believe how bad communism was, you know, and uh, and we we really, you know, like rebelled against, you know, all of these. Oh, communism! Not that communism was good. Nobody ever felt like that. Yeah. But being there, going behind the Iron Curtain, and actually seeing um, what a totalitarian, totalitarian government looked like was something that uh, that you couldn't really describe unless unless you were there. And and um, yes, we came back saying, wow, this is, you know, it's, it's really nice to be in America after being there. You know, that's true. I mean, it was true. And we got killed for saying that. Very sad. <laughs>
0: how good is, you were killed in, by, in America to say how great it is to be an American.
2: Exactly. <laughs>
4: Wake up to your mind. Life is what you make it. You see, but still you're blind. Get yourself together. Get before you take. You'll find out the hard way. Soon you're gonna break. Hey, hey, hey. Smiling faces, go in places. And if they bust to you just keep on smiling through and through. And you. and
0: Film. They talk about that you're you were very political at the time, and you were against the tour. How'd you get talked into it?
2: Well, like I say in, in the movie, uh, I was a musician first and not a politician, okay. and uh, I wasn't about to leave the band because the band uh, we the band decided as a whole, and we did do our make our decisions. You know, by uh, uh, as it was a democratic kind of thing, and um, we really had no choice unless we got rid of David. You know, unless David right. and you can't do that when you have a number one album in the, in the world, you know, in the country, uh, you can't get rid of your, your lead singer, you know, and um, or you can't let him go. My my feeling is when I look back on it, uh, is that uh, is that we should have held out. And uh, I know a lot of people who are not will not agree with me, uh, but I think that we should have played hardball with them. Because if they got rid of David, if they took away his visa, I think the feedback would be so bad against the government that they would just would have backed down. And I was just sad that we made that deal in the first place. And uh, David's even says, you know, you know that I, I was probably right as far as like not doing the tour, but I don't think they would have gotten rid of David. Um, I don't think they would have uh, got rid of, you know, like sent him back to Canada. I think that if we played hardball with them, he would have stayed in the band and we we wouldn't, we didn't have to do that tour.
0: I don't, but in the grand scheme of things, whether you did that tour or not, it might not, it probably wouldn't have changed anything.
2: Probably not. No, I don't think, I don't, you know, that tour wasn't the only thing that, uh, that, that uh, was, was the cause of the downfall of the band. Like I said, you know, our third album, whether it was in the can, you know, whether it was just kind of just came out um, I uh, or whatever, but it was, it was a, uh, a major disappointment commercially so i mean i even i even had now al- a song on there that shouldn't have been on there it's okay. called a battle okay a war
3: it actually has one of my favorite blood sweat and tears songs on there uh lucretia mcevil right it's kind of a catchy song i admit i haven't heard the entire album so i can't really assess it but i just yeah. thought i'd give a shout out to that song
2: yeah, well there are there were problems with the with the album, like the uh, sympathy for the devil. We shouldn't have covered a stone song. Yeah. And we did it yeah. like in tonally, you know, or dissonant in a dissonant way. Um there uh like I said, my song was not shouldn't have been on the album. Uh we shouldn't have done Fire and Rain. Yeah. That was really a James Taylor. You know, we 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 did it around the same time that James put it out. In fact, they asked us not to put out a single because James was putting it out. Um uh, there were just a bunch of things that were, were were wrong with the record, and there were no real big hit singles. You know, "Heidi Ho" was was probably the biggest one, but it wasn't a huge hit single.
0: It was good. To, it's a good song, but it's not a great song. No, that's right, Yeah, yeah, that's yeah.
2: true. Uh, you know, it's a shame because the fourth album, the one after that, was a really good record. But by then, you know, the steam had gone out of the out of the the band. You know, the the balloon had burst. You know, but there were some great things on the fourth album.
0: And then everybody got uh, everybody started to get tired of the band and the including the band members, and that's when you started to have people leave.
2: Yeah, well, I stayed for the fifth album, and then it was, you know, things were starting to get too. Uh, it was, it was, it was going too much in a jazz direction, and right. I'm not a jazz player, and uh, it was just it wasn't worth for me. You know, I was getting friendly with Lou Reed, and uh, I wanted to get back to rock and roll, and. uh and so, you know, we, we did the Rock and Roll Animal was my first project after leaving the band and I, you know, sort of got back to rock and roll with a vengeance with that album. So.
0: so let's get back to the tour. What was it like to be behind the Iron Curtain at that time, even though you had a contingent and you were somewhat protected? What was it like to view it firsthand? I mean, we get a little glimpse of it in the movie, but
2: was it, was it scary. scary? You know, it was, yeah, it was scary. We were protected we were, we were protected by the state department. I mean, uh, they were in, they weren't going to declare war. We were just, we were hanging out with people. There was a family in Constanza, Romania, um, that, uh, we went to their house and had, uh, you know, drinks with them. And, uh, it was, it was, it was wonderful. And we were being followed. And, but, you know, I, I was just worried, not like I say in my book that they weren't, we were worried that, you know, that, that they weren't assassinated, you know, sent to prison after our visit, but, uh, we weren't allowed to, to hang out with people, but we did it anyway because we did we were protected by the by the State Department, and we took advantage of it. It was funny. I mean, the way we were treated was funny. I mean, it wasn't like we were going to be, be attacked by dogs and guards at our concert. You know, we just got kicked out of the country. What 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 what's not what wasn't in the film, which I thought was a little bit strange, was that we were supposed to do another gig after that Bucharest gig, and that was a, right. a benefit for the. Uh, flood victims of Transylvania in Romania. And uh, that was for the people for free. And we just got, they just kicked us out. But well, Ceausescu was real horror. As far as being there, yeah, it was a different, uh, <laughs> it, was, it was a whole different perception, you know, of what life is like, you know, in, uh, in a different country, just like it is, you know, like when I went to uh, South America for the first time, it's a totally different thing. It's, it's, you see it from a different perspective. One of the things that bothered me a hair about the film was that uh, uh, Jimmy Fielder says that when we went to Zagreb that he never saw poverty as, well, it wasn't that bad. Um, there's a worse poverty in Ecuador and, uh, and some of the South American countries, certainly in Venezuela, but it, it, it really wasn't, wasn't that bad. I'm surprised that Jimmy had said that, you know, 53 years later.
0: Oh, he he might've said a lot of things in, uh... It was John Scheinfeld uh, picked and chose.
2: Yeah. um, Romania was that bad. Romania was very poor. And Romania was, you know, you'd walk in down the streets and walk into a a store. There was nothing in the stores. And uh, if if they were open, you know, and uh, people were afraid to say anything. And uh, it was that was really scary. Uh, Poland was a little bit different. It was a little bit better. But uh,
0: from the film, it seemed that Poland was a lot better. Not that it wasn't. New York city by any chance, but it seemed to be much, much more cosmopolitan than Bucharest was.
2: Yeah. 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 And there were, you know, there were jazz bands there and stuff like that. uh, It was a whole different thing. It was like, uh, you know, coming out of Romania was, uh, it was, it was nice to be in in Warsaw. Of course the food was terrible everywhere, but (laughs) well, I'm very concerned about that. When you're on the road, you want to make sure that the food is.
0: I understand. I mean, I went to, england in 1981 and i went to piccadilly circus and had pizza it was uh dough cheese on a graham cracker with ketchup (laughs)
2: indian food in uh, in london well
0: i didn't know that and i was very happy the hard rock cafe was open because uh i got some decent food because it was americanized food
4: getting stronger ha. Feel it in my bones Hope you let it last a little bit longer Faking out my head Doing things I never even dreamed of Rolling up my spine Turning on the things that never been turned on Wait a minute! Some loser came in look like she and been gaming Doing things for everybody else Well, I call on motherly Is that any way for a man to carry on? You think he wants his little loved one gone I love you, baby, more than you'll ever know Making too much money. God knows where my picture went. You see, I brought it home, yeah, baby. Yes, I did. And I never spent one red cent. Is that any way what I made? Carry on, Lord, Lord, I know you think He wants his loved one gone well God, I love you, baby More than you'll ever know you can love, trust, and understand And I know I could be A part of you that no one else could see And all you got to do for me Is get down here and tell me it's all right Yeah! I'm only flesh and blood But I'd be anything that you demand I could be president of General Motors, yeah Or just a tiny, tiny green of sand. Is that any way for a man No Say I told you so. If I ever hurt you, you know I hurt myself as well. Is that any way for a man to carry on? Lord, Lord I know you think he wants us. ¡Oh!
0: approached you about the movie
2: john did um i got an email from john saying he was going to do the movie and my first reaction was that's why would anybody want to do a movie about blood sweat and tears and when john said that it was he was basically uh going to uh emphasize the eastern european tour i said wow this is this is great that's a great idea because it is a great story uh the other thing is that john did some of my favorite I'm I'm a film freak and he's he's a documentarian and did some of the best documentaries. Uh, He did the Nielsen documentary, which is fantastic. A Chasing Mm -hmm. Train about John Coltrane. He did uh, John Lennon versus the USA. uh, John's done some great films. So he certainly had the credibility. And I thought it was a, at first, I I couldn't believe anybody would want to do this. And, you know, it's pretty amazing that it got done because, um, they used the film a lot, the Eastern European film, and they couldn't find it until, like Bobby says, it was during the making of, uh, during the interviews that they, they actually uh, found a, a good copy of that movie.
1: Not yeah, the two-hour
2: version. And the no, you, very, I, I should say the very, the very sad thing about the movie, the sad, the, the, the most sad thing, is that Don Cambern died uh, in January, and I don't think he got to see the, uh, the movie, the director. did not. Such a, he was such a great, he was a great guy. Two of the man members
0: uh, are also. Yeah, well, Lou, Lou and uh, Lou Soloff and um, DeCallaghan have yeah. since passed. I know you were very close with Lou. They filmed Don Cameron filmed 45 hours. 65. 65. And yeah. they found, they only found one hour. Yep. It's like the miracle of Hanukkah. Yeah. But they were able to make the movie out of that. And they had photographs from, some of the band members and yeah, I I
2: found a bunch of photo, a bunch of slides.
0: And you know, you, you are the star of the movie. I think they use more of your interviews than anybody else.
2: Mm -hmm. Um, I I think Bobby did a great job with the, uh, with the, uh, the music, the incidental music.
0: He Uh, did. And it was, and it was just great to see the band at its peak, you know, play live and even, even reconstructed Woodstock footage for, for the movie. Which yeah was great to that's say. the
2: little John John thought that, that he had found the Woodstock footage when in actuality um Warner Brothers had put it out on a laser disc release of uh, more and more that right. one song and uh years ago they put it out and then and you, you didn't hear about it anymore
0: so it was my, nice uh, to see.
2: I was wearing my hand
0: I know my, my ankle was-
2: isn't moving <laughs>
0: But at least you weren't wearing leather pants in a rain like David Clayton Thomas.
1: Oh, my
2: God. He had, in Australia, it was so hot and he had his leather pants on and, and uh, the, the roadies had to peel it off him one night. They, they couldn't get his
1: Ugh.
2: pants on. It. It, was, I, it was really, really disgusting.
1: <laughs> I,
0: I hope they got combat pay for that.
2: And David said, uh, I hated the gong. I just hated that gong. <laughs> that, that, that's the funniest, to me, the funniest part of the movie was when David says, you know, and the audience just said, oh, please bang the gong, you know, and I'm going, oh, my God, these poor our roadies had to carry that thing around Eastern Europe. They hated it. And uh, I hated it also. Yeah. <laughs> as much as David's tiger pants, but that's all.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but you, but you got to put up with all kinds of things in a band. You're only one ninth of it.
2: Well, that's true. Yeah. It's like, a, I did some, uh, I did some stupid things also. I mean, you know, we can, we can do a whole podcast on <laughs> Steve, Steve's bloopers, you know, and let's and tears. David and I got almost got into a fight one night out in somewhere in the Midwest when he introduced me to the audience in uh, like an Omaha or something as a Jewish bumblebee. Cause I was wearing, a, <laughs> I was wearing a blue and yellow uh, a t-shirt and, was, right. and I almost hit him backstage. And then, you know, now, of course, now I look, I look back on it. It's really funny. He was right.
0: <laughs> well, you could have been known as Sting because that's how Gordon Sumner got his nickname I'm oh, okay. wearing uh, a rugby shirt, uh, black and yellow rugby
2: shirts. <laughs> that's funny.
0: What else, what else can you tell us about the tour? Cause you, you went on for a few moments about um, when you were asked about, when you were asked in um, New London, New London, thank you. I drove three hours to get there, and I forgot where it was.
2: <laughs> wow, thanks.
0: <laughs> you're welcome. I, well, I, went, I went with... Um,
2: well, that's a great thing about GPS is you don't have to know where you're going as long as it takes you there.
0: Yeah, but I hit all kinds of traffic, but it, t- it took me a little longer than I expected. We, uh, I picked up my friend Joyce Mitchell, who was, um, worked in Michael Lang's office at the Woodstock Festival. Right. She wanted to see the film, and that was the closest place it was playing
2: yeah um they sent so, me uh, uh, they sent me a blu-ray which i have downstairs and it, it, it's like right off the master it looks so great and sounds great
0: oh it sounds incredible i mean i'm not so much in london when i saw it the quad cinema in, in new york city they had a really great sound system mm-hmm. and the the i heard the soundtrack on uh spotify and it sounds great you know they had yeah, the they tap they taped you guys live and that was it's phenomenal to hear and to, like I said, to see. To me, to see the concert footage was the highlight of the, um, of the film.
2: Well, that was one of the surprising things to me when I watched the film the first time was how good we were. Um, we were really a good band, and the music was really phenomenal. David was a great singer. You know, the, every, the horns, everything uh, was just terrific. There's only one blooper in the uh, when, uh, Jerry, our trombone player, and I can't quit her and. Uh, I, it was Warsaw or Bucharest uh, and it's a bad note. And I'm surprised that, that they left it in. But, uh, you know, then again, I'm being really picky you know, But uh, right. Yeah, it, it's it, it, I, I think I, I, thought, I thought the music, I, wow, we really sounded good. It was like when Woodstock and, you know, the, when they put out that CD and, uh, you know, and the guy auto tuned us up to where we sounded really good.
0: Yeah, he put um, the horn sections back together put everybody Acting in tune <laughs> yeah, that was great yeah i mean i was i listened listen to that set a lot on uh spotify and it sounds great and acts did a wonderful yeah, job
2: and he's right and uh it's, even when david's uh, just one smile uh forgets a verse and uh, it still sounds great
0: yeah you can't tell unless you know it
2: but yeah, it's the uh i don't know the memories of that trip i mean 53 years have passed and right. you know, this guy this filmmaker takes this story and all of a sudden, after all of this time, we're finally vindicated. I, I mean, it's it's like the guy worked in Miracle. I love John Scheinfeld and You know, what he did was just really amazing. And he made a great film out of it. Oh, not it's a
0: terrific film. Took this story,
2: but it's a terrific film. It's it's almost like a thriller. And he vindicated us. You know, it's not going to make any difference anymore, you know, because it's it was a long time ago. No, I mean, it still won't. They're saying, oh, one of the best rock and roll bands or, you know, it's, you know nothing, nothing like that is ever going to happen again because our reputation was sort of like uh, just degenerated into like powder, nothing.
0: It's definitely putting the band back on people's radars again.
2: God, and,
1: those so. that, and, really those
0: that, and those that pay attention to, you know, rock and roll music have either seen the film will see the film, and when it and definitely when it comes out on streaming, they it'll be a lot easier mm. to see the film. Yeah. Your, your former bandmate Al Cooper got into the Hall of Fame this year. Perhaps you'll be even on the ballot next year. Not saying you're going to get in, but at least people will think of you.
2: I don't think that'll ever happen. Uh, but uh, as far as Al goes, I think he deserved it, because Al did a lot more than just blood, sweat, and tears. Oh, yeah. Uh, so he really deserved it.
0: Well, he did, and the Blues Project, but he did more than that, too. He was, he had a hand in uh, Leonard Skinner. He played with Dylan on uh, Like a Rolling Stone, and he's done a bunch of other things, too.
5: you. Laughing slightly, you would run. The trees alone would shield us in the meadow, making love in the evening sun. Now you're gone, girl, and the lampposts call your name. I can hear them in a spring of frozen rain Now you're gone, girl, and the time slow down till dawn It's a cold room, and the walls ask where you've gone
3: don Camburn um you know they i think john scheinfeld said you know he was absolutely devastated to have that movie taken away from him because prior to him shooting this documentary and touring with you guys you know he had had an incredible resume he i think had As done editor, music yeah. edi- editing he edited easy rider and here he had this wonderful opportunity and it got ripped away from him and you know, it was nice to see that he had this opportunity to be interviewed, but it's kind of sad that he didn't get an opportunity to see the final result. So
2: it's really sad. And uh, it's it's great that that uh, he, he was interviewed and what he says is is fantastic. I mean, Don was in his 90s when he when he died. Don was uh, he did a he did a great job. Uh, on, on that original, on the original film. You know, we, have, we had a 35-man film crew from uh, Samuelson in, uh, in London. And uh, he just did a wonderful job. And, and I, I, it would be great to see the entire, you know, like some of the, the entire, the two-hour thing before the State Department got a hold of it and just destroyed it. And, uh, you know, I, I, the, that, the uh, finished product, quote, unquote, um I had it for a while uh Louis Soloff had a copy of it it was a bad copy um and it was a bad movie it was terrible and most of the movie was uh, us taking pictures of each other you know because mm-hmm. we were so it was just like boring it was like um, uh, uh, Don said it was like a, a travelogue and it wasn't even a good travelogue but yeah thank you for saying that because Don really had so much to do with with this whole thing this whole story
0: and and, he, and he's and part of the spy story as well that's in the film.
2: Yeah, I hardly remember the kid. He with a kid, uh, David uh, uh was uh, the you know the one who did the James Bond thing. You know, he was he was just there with his father. <laughs> that's uh David Klein, I think his his name is. And um I hardly remember him on the trip.
0: Well, you had what that had a whole entourage. You had what, 60 people
2: uh, between the film yeah, between,
0: crew, yeah. the band crew, yeah. the bands.
2: State Department, people, yeah. but uh, you know, there are funny things like uh like the uh the roadies in in Zagreb. Uh, our roadies were very funny. I mean, I used to hang out with the roadies because they were a lot funnier than the guys in the band. Was, <laughs> and, uh, and when we were in Zagreb, during the day before our sound check, they taught all of the guys that were moving the equipment, all of the, the, these yugoslavs, they, 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 they taught them to say. Okay, GI buddy. So <laughs> whenever, whenever we asked them to like move an amp or something, like I would say, "Can you move that over there?" and he would say, "Okay, GI buddy."
1: <laughs> and I would turn
2: and look at Bob and and you know, our, and uh, John, and they would be laughing hysterically, you know. And it's, of course, they were guilty of all that. And and then there's Bob and and uh, Bob Lampert who stuttered, and uh, we were in uh, Poland. And uh, at the ambassador's house, uh, or no, it was, it was the, uh, the consulate. And uh, they had a party for us. And the, uh, there was all kinds of like Russian brass and Polish brass and American brass, you know, all these military people. And, uh, and the uh, ambassador's wife thought that Bob Lampert was one of the band members. And she went over to Bob and said, uh, how, how do you like uh, uh, Warsaw so far? And Lambert said, well, I've been here only an hour, but I've been late already. <laughs> <laughs> I, the, the ambassador's wife was taken aback, needless to say. But uh, there were some fun parts to to that trip, also. You know, it wasn't all uh, it wasn't all just a down thing. Romania was pretty down. That was pretty awful. My wife got a, a food poisoning that wasn't mentioned either in the film. film and uh, and uh, this uh, doctor came up with a bloody smock and a, and a, and a huge needle uh, to give her an antibiotic or something like that. And um, unfortunately, she got better, and
0: uh, <laughs> Well, this, this, of course, is your ex-wife.
2: That's <laughs> my first wife, yeah. First
0: wife.: Yeah. ex-wife. So I didn't want to bring her up. Um, but
2: she actually bought a ceramic piece from my wife when uh, when Allison and I first got married. Well, that's nice.
0: Yeah. Well, your wife do your current wife does uh wonderful pottery.
2: Thank you. Yeah, we have a workshop now this weekend, and uh there's about 16 people here uh with this wonderful potter from uh Missouri. And uh so we've got a house full of people, crazy dogs, and on top of that, everybody's coughing from the smoke that's, uh, that's out. in Canada. Oh,
3: yeah. Yeah. We have it here, too, or had it here today as well.
2: Where are you? Yeah.
3: Uh, I'm in uh, western central New York. Um, I live in the Finger Lakes region in Geneva between Rochester and Syracuse. Oh, wow. Well. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I'm going to be so in we're Rochester. fairly
3: close to Canada.
2: <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I got to go up to Rochester in August. and Oh. Do a gig at the... Bop Shop Records, which I oh love.
3: yes, I'm familiar with that.
2: Yeah, uh, yeah. June and uh, and uh, Tom Cohen, and uh, he's a great guy, and uh, I love playing there. So.
0: and I know you're going to be in July eighth. You're going to be in Ardmore, Pennsylvania. What else do you have coming up?
2: Uh, the Bantam Cinema here, which is having live stuff, also like Palabolas will be there at some point, and the the, the, the dance company. Yeah, do a concert there in August. Uh, August eighth or tenth, I don't know. Everything will be on my Facebook page. Okay, so, that's they had the the movie showing there, and I did a q and A. Uh, and Robert Quelik, who who uh, runs the place, said, "Well, let's do a concert also." So how many great? Yeah, I, I yeah. do a nice little concerts. I've seen a couple of them. Oh, I hope you saw a good one. They've been I getting- was, uh,
0: good. I mean, you were at um, you were here in Nanuet Oh yeah, that uh, was years ago. that was a while ago. Yeah, but you, but you played a few tunes at in uh, New London, and that was nice.
2: Yeah, that was strange. It was okay.
0: <laughs> well, you had a violinist, which was uh, different.
2: <laughs> yeah, it was different. I think like I ever did that before, but uh, I love playing out for people, and I love telling the stories and stuff like that. So, which fun. is why we have you on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, well,
0: thank you. What having seen the fi- I've seen the film twice, and every time you watch a film you see things that you didn't necessarily see before Mm. having seen the film as much as you have. What is there anything that sticks out that you haven't, that you didn't see the first couple of times around?
2: Yes. There's one thing in particular that, that really, um, that I noticed that uh, was really incredible. Uh, And that is how young my gums looked in uh, the close up uh, because I had just, you know, I, I watched it uh, like a week after I had my last tooth cleaning, teeth cleaning. Right. And so my teeth were on my mind, my gums, and I'm watching this movie and I'm saying, holy shit, my gums look much better than they do now, you know, at this age. It's really a kid. You know? But I did have uh, dark rings under my eyes from allergies and stuff like that. <laughs> you know, no, I, I, I have seen things that I, that I hadn't noticed before. But I'm at the eighth time of watching this movie, so there's not too much mm-hmm. left. But when now I watch it, you're right. I look in corners and stuff like that. I don't look at people. I look at, you know, like like what's on the table next to somebody. Because, you,
0: know, <laughs> you know, like I said, we, we we love the film. Those of our listeners who haven't seen What the Hell Happened to Blood, Sweat, and Tears,
2: Well, do I we, do we I think thank, you like it. Do I say thank you? I mean, I, I have to thank John Scheinfeld for the film. But, Please. Uh, but, uh, you know, thank you anyway, you know, because I am part of the film the band you was, are part of the film we were a good band and i'm very proud of it in those. and i'm very happy with the job that, that john did anyway and
0: and you and you and like i said you are the star of the film because i think your interviews are it's you it's you and bobby Columbia, but i think you have more screen time than he does
2: okay the twenty dollars is in the mail jack thank you,
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> thank, anyway, you thank, steve. thank you guys thank you um, steve I'm going to, I have to walk the dogs and go to sleep.
1: All right. Well,
0: thank you for your
2: time.
3: All right. Thanks, Steve. It was great to catch up.
2: Thank you, Aaron. Good seeing you again. Try to come to Bob shop. Will do. Okay.
3: Take care. guys. Bye. Bye.
4: Before, got mad and closed the door. But you're still shy just once more. I chose you for the one. Now we're having so much fun. You treated me so kind. I'm about to lose my mind. You made me so very happy, and I'm so. Glad you came into my life. The others were untrue, but when it came to loving you, I'd spend my whole life with you. Cause you came and you took control touch my very soul you always show Love you so much, to you see. You're even in my dreams. I hear, baby, I can hear you calling to me. I'm so in love with you. All I have. Me so very happy, yes, you did. You made me so very happy every day. I want to spend my
2: And that's our show, Keep the Dream Flowing, a Woodstock 1969 podcast, was produced and edited by Scott Parker. Your hosts were Jack Lekensky, Johnny Hudson, Aaron Shear, and Scott Parker. Keep the Dream Flowing, a Woodstock 1969 podcast is not associated in any way with Woodstock Ventures or any of its entities. Come and check us out on our Facebook page. The group is called Keep the Dream Flowing where we keep you updated on various things that we're doing and give you a heads up when there's a new episode coming. So check that out. On behalf of all of us here at Keep the Dream Flowing, this is Scott Parker saying thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time.